Hey, welcome back to the This Week in Deeper podcast. And this week we're starting a brand new series called On the Mountain. And I really am excited about this series because we're going to really get into the nuts and bolts of what Jesus taught and how he taught us to be. And really, I've always tried to keep an open heart approach to reading my Bible. Now, there are things in the Bible that are complex. It's hard to read about when great leaders like David have a moral failure like that with Bathsheba, or when Moses loses his temper and robs God of a miracle while in the wilderness. Speaking of those people that that Moses was in charge of, it's so hard to see God's people continually walk away from the God who loves them and has saved them over and over again, but yet that's what we see happening. You know, in Deeper, one of our four pillars is the Bible is our source. And it might, it is the most important pillar that we have. Without the Bible, we're nothing but a social club. Without the Bible, this podcast is just some guy talking to some people about some things. But really, the Bible is what differentiates us. Making the Bible our source is not an easy task. It's a lifelong journey for any Christian. The Bible should mold and shape us into the people that God has created us to be. It's the Bible that teaches us that every student is important to God and that we should show His love to all people. It's the Bible that teaches us that we should build strong families by honoring our parents. And it's the Bible that teaches us that teamwork makes the dream work by showing us that while we are all members of one body, we all have different gifts and talents. And my worship might look different from your, your worship, and that's okay. And if you're new to Deeper or maybe uh, you're, you're not affiliated with us yet, those are our other three pillars. Every student builds strong families and teamwork makes the dream work. But the whole point of that is, is we draw everything from the Bible. So it should come as no surprise that the Bible is our source, and that is our deepest pillar. It's what we dedicate the majority of our weekly services to, our blog posts, our podcasts. It's the teaching of God's Word. In Deeper, it's our goal to build a culture around the Bible and not one of cultural Christianity. In fact, we need to fight against cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity is being part of a society that is influenced by Christianity. Cultural Christianity is our biggest challenge as American Christians. As a student ministry, our goal is to lead students to a lifelong relationship with Jesus, not a religious tag that we can add to our online social profiles. It presents itself in songs that celebrate ungodly things, but then have a verse that references going to church on Sunday morning. It nods respect to Jesus, but then talks about smacking someone in the mouth. It glorifies sinful things, but there's nothing in the Bible that glorifies sin. It's because of sin that Jesus went to the cross. So sin isn't something that should be glorified or tolerated at all among Christians. A relationship with the Lord should challenge you, should convict you, it should shape you. If it's not doing that, then God is not your source. Now think about the relationship between a good coach and a player. A good coach can take you from one level and push you to the next. They're not going to shame you for being where you are, but they're also not going to leave you there. A good coach wants to promote you, develop you, and sharpen your skills. And this is exactly what God wants to do with us. He's working in us, building us, and it is a a lifelong process that we need to check in and not avoid. You know, even the best coach cannot help a player that's not invested in the process. So as Christ followers, we have got to get invested in the process. 
For an athlete to be great, they need to show up to the gym, be physically in shape. They need to cut out things that slow them down like junk food. They need to engage during practices, watch game film to get better, shield out the distractions, and focus in on the goal. Now, if we can do that for something like a football or a basketball game, then we need to make it our number one priority to do this for the most important aspect of our life, our spiritual life, and that that has eternal consequences. So if you've ever been to a high school football game, you've probably noticed the post-game huddle. All the players on the team come together to hear from their head coach. And it's in those post-game meetings that a coach will take the opportunity to share their perspective on how the game went. You know, if things went well, they might highlight the hard work of individual players, celebrate those successes. And then there's sometimes that a coach might challenge a team to be better in certain areas. Even when the team wins, sometimes you'll have a coach that sees some things that need to be better. There are sometimes that a, a, a team goes out and performs so poorly and a coach might address, hey, this is why things went bad. Maybe because in practice we didn't show up. Maybe we didn't show up prepared. Maybe this was just a fluke and we need to figure out why this happened. Regardless, this is the opportunity that the coach takes to correct, to encourage, to coach his team. And this is kind of what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. There's this point in the Bible where Jesus does this with his disciples, and you might have heard about the Sermon on the Mount. Well, over the next couple weeks, we're going to take a closer look at Jesus' message to his disciples. But tonight, I want us to focus on the first part of Matthew 5. And real quick, when I say disciples here, I'm not necessarily referring to the 12 disciples that we know. Um, the word disciples here is, is translated as learners or students and basically just people who took the time to follow Jesus. So when I refer to Jesus' disciples in this message and in this, uh, in this circumstance, it's not necessarily that Jesus is talking to those 12 disciples that are referenced at other points in the Bible. So anyway, Matthew chapter 5, one day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. Now, we got to focus on the details of what Jesus did here. He saw the crowds gathering, then went up on the mountainside. Here in East Tennessee, we are blessed with some of the most breathtakingly beautiful mountains in the world. Now, it's no simple thing to climb one of those mountains. You've got to work to climb a mountain. You know, even if you're in your car, you get to sit and listen to the engine try to climb a mountain. And it makes sense here that Jesus wanted those in the crowd to move in towards his teaching. In fact, at the end of this verse, it says that it was his disciples or students that approached him. Now, my guess is, is that not everybody in the crowd that day followed Jesus up the mountain. Some probably found a, an excuse not to climb the mountain that day, but it was those that followed Jesus up the mountain who were hungry for his teaching. What I get from that is that we need to follow Jesus to hear his teachings. You know, I love the fact that we're pursued by God. It truly is such a beautiful thing, the love that Jesus has for us. But the sad thing is, is that too many times that pursuit is one-sided. Now, the best relationships are the ones that uh, both parties or both people are pursuing one another. In fact, it's a dysfunctional relationship when one person isn't pursuing the other. Now, Jesus is teaching us here that we need to climb the mountain, so to speak. We need to pursue a relationship with God. It's not that Jesus is running from us. It's that he wants you to pursue him above all other things in this life. And it's at that point that he poured into those who followed him up the mountain by saying, bless you. 
God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You know, I like to think that Jesus was looking people in the eye when he said these things. Jesus obviously knew the people around him, and he was God. He, he, he was their creator, so he knew and he understood in a more intimate way than any coach or any teacher could ever understand us and specifically those people. So I like to think that he was looking at these people, knowing their background, knowing the issues that they face, and he was speaking directly to them. But the cool thing is he's speaking directly to us as well through those generations. So those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You know, I like to think that the people in that crowd represent us today. I bet it felt so good to be on that mountain, watching Jesus stop and take a seat, then sitting down to listen to what Jesus, who was the greatest teacher in the world, had to say. And he starts by saying to those that were around him, to those followers that followed him up the mountain, bless you. Now, maybe his words challenged the audience to be more compassionate, or maybe his words were like a soothing medicine on those who were trying to serve God, who did realize that they were poor and in need of God, who had been mocked and persecuted because they were followers of Jesus. And Jesus goes on to say in his opening lines, in verse 13 picks up, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, Jesus is encouraging his students to remember that they are the hope for the earth that we can carry the light of His love to those who are lost. We just have to remain committed followers of Jesus for our entire lives. Now this is just the first message, and really it's the introduction to this series. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the different things Jesus taught His followers on the mountain that day. We're going to see how those things apply to our lives. Jesus taught His followers how to deal with religious issues, how to deal with anger, relationships, finances, and prayer all issues that we still face and have questions about today. So now that you're here, on the mountain, so to speak, let's sit and listen to our teacher, Jesus. Hey, thanks for checking out this podcast. Uh, Check back with us next week. We're going to have the continuation of this series. But first, let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you that you pursue us, God. God, I pray, Lord, that we will pursue you just like you pursued us, God. Lord, your love is great and mighty, and and we love you, God. We love you, we love you, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Again, thanks for checking out this podcast, and I will see you next week.